on FM 96.3 and AM 620. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here and joining us in studio as he does every month for the whole time we've been on the air. And before that, with the Charlie and Ernie Show, <laughs> it's the mayor of Burlington, Mayor Moreau Weinberger. Good morning, Moreau. Kurt, Anthony, great to be back with you. Make it I, seem like I've been around a long time here, Kurt. Well, yeah. you have been. I mean, it's a record. Twelve. You're wrapping up 12 years. And I know Mayor Clavel overall served longer, but he, but you're the longest serving uh, congruently, however that phrase is. <laughs> Consecutive. Continuously. Successively. Whatever. Yes. You. Yeah, you kind of got to parse it a little yeah. uh, finely, but uh, yeah, no one's done 12 straight years before. They, there, you said it, you said it <laughs> a lot easier than I was trying to say it. Peter Clavel was 15 years, but it was split up. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he had that, what he calls it, the uh, the voter-encouraged sabbatical. The there sabbatical. For, for, for I've a had a couple years. of those. <laughs> <laughs> I came close. Came, came very close to having one of those. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's pretty it's it's kind of hard to believe Kurt that uh I'll be doing something else in a few months but uh you know I've loved it I've been so grateful to serve in this role and uh it's still you know we got our head down and we got a lot to get done between now and and, and the end of March it's going to be a very busy few months what might you be doing in a few months <laughs> I'm figuring that out <laughs> I'm figuring that out um but uh when might we learn what you might be doing in a few months <clears throat> Don't you want to talk about a uh, form-based code or uh, the neighborhood code or? Yeah, of uh, course. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, so Kurt, I, I have, uh, I've been, I've been, I'm still where I was last fall. If there's, if there's a way for me to make a contribution to, I think this is a hard time for Vermont. I think we got a lot of major challenges ha- happening right now. You look at what's happening with the drug crisis. You look at the homelessness challenges we're facing right now. I think we need to be doing a lot more on climate. If there's a way I can contribute to those issues, uh, I uh, I may jump in. All right, but uh, you but you you'll announce maybe within a month or two, or make a decision. Do you think within a month or two? I think that's about all I can say at this point, Kurt. But I, I appreciate <laughs> the right. interest. We're not getting any more out of him on that one. Well, and he flipped. I I want to applaud Kurt for flipping it up. Usually he waits till the end, <laughs> and this time he just led with it. So I was like, okay, <laughs> now we got that out of the way. <laughs> well, you we know you have two more appearances on this show as Mayor of Burlington, so we know it, we know at least that. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Mayor, let's jump into some issues here. Uh, so, the state auditor. Doug Hoffer has been in the news a lot in the last few days, and <laughs> one of them deals directly with Burlington, and I know you had a, a pretty spirited response to his, uh, he has, uh, let me just read from the article here what uh, the auditor says. He says, the downtown TIF audit shows once again that even Vermont's largest municipality struggles with the complexity of the TIF program, Hoffer said in a press release a company that accompanied the full report on Tuesday. One of Hoffer's key findings was that the city drew over $4 million more from bond proceeds that then was approved by the Vermont Economic Progress Council, which oversees parts of the state's tax increment financing system. Um, your response to that? Well, uh, you know, what? I, my, my response to that in that press release you're reading from is that I, I thought his concern, and I, I think his concern about the bond premiums, um, which is w- what he's talking about here, is is a bogus concern, Kurt. This is 
This is something that is a, a standard uh, practice within municipal finance. The city of Burlington has done it before. We've done it before in TIF districts. The auditor has audited past TIF districts. In a, you know, just a year ago, he audited the, de- the waterfront TIF district, which also used premiums. He didn't say a word about uh, of concern about this practice at the time. He hasn't raised concerns over the Vermont Municipal Bond Bank doing the exact same thing and using premiums to enhance other TIF projects and other municipal projects around the state. Uh, and yet he makes it seem like Burlington's made some, uh, some, some terrible error here. And, uh, I, um, we haven't made an error. What we, what we did is we went out to the market and we accepted the best proposal that was uh, made, best financing proposal that was made. And as a result, we're going to be able to get more, more, Money invested into Main Street in Burlington. We're going to be able to create more construction jobs. We're going to be able to create more tax investment and private investment the way TIF districts have done across the state. This is going to save Burlingtonians money. Ultimately, it's going to lead to more investment. It's going to be good for Vermonters ultimately in the end. And uh, I I see this audit, you know, I called it more op-ed than audit. I see this as yet another um, effort by the auditor to kind of assault this TIF program, which he doesn't like, he doesn't believe in, which he's entitled to do. But what he's not entitled to do is sort of drag Burlington through the mud as he does that. And uh, I, I was going to ask you that, that you think that the auditor, this really is about the fact that he doesn't like TIFs. Um, he, I know he kind of bristled at that suggestion in the CAX story saying, I may not be a fan of TIFs, but this is not, that's not what this is about. Well, I, you know, if... <clears throat> If this was just a substantive policy debate about what the law should be in the future, there'd be a very different way to handle this than to write a big headline saying Burlington missteps and violates this cap when uh, he knows well that we, ha- we are working with VEPSI, the regulatory agency involved. We're, we've been waiting for his report to come out uh, before actually committing these funds. Um, he, he knows how to go to Montpelier and have a discussion with a regulatory committee about creating some new rule about bond premiums. If he thinks that there's public interest in doing that, that would be a reasonable thing to do. Instead, uh, he sends us a draft of this report, which has this very inflammatory headline and claim. We send him a a legal opinion, uh, which he's had trouble getting legal opinions apparently on this. We send him a legal (laughs) opinion that says very clearly that this is within the law, within Burlington's authority. We make clear our concerns with the headline and the claims he's making, and he just completely ignores those. So if he didn't want to have a fight about this, he should have written something very differently and approached this very differently than he did. I I see this as an ideological effort. Every time he comes out with a TIF report, he finds some way to make... To, to claim headlines and works to, 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 to uh, you know. To that to, end, I, I question is it if, if it's not politically motivated because he's not just suing Burlington now, or, or the headline is he's actually suing the uh, attorney general. Yeah, I was just responding <laughs> to his request for legal opinion, which you just referenced. Uh, and, and but yet, so he releases this headline with no legal opinion. Because the attorney general, the lawyer or the law firm for the state, hasn't taken it up. So he's introduced a suit against her as well. So is, is there, do you feel that there's like a Well, he doesn't a have a suit issue? against you. No, he doesn't have a suit doesn't against He doesn't have a Burlington. suit against us. He, 
I, I, well, I, was, have a lawyer I was surprised anyone to wake up and see that he's <laughs> suing the attorney general. I've never seen such a thing, suing the attorney general uh, that they didn't want to apparently uh, you know, take up his case here and, uh, and validate his, his position. I don't know what's going on there. I don't have any additional insight to it, but I, I've never seen anything like it. I'll say that. And i got to tell you, it seems like Burlington is catching the shrapnel from it, really. I mean, you're, he's focusing on you and your TIF district, but you operate like you said – the other municipalities do around the the state. I mean, does he? Uh, I, but, I I think most uh, well, listeners. This is are confused, Anthony. He's yeah. been in other fights with other municipalities about this because okay. every time he, he he is required by statute to do an audit okay. of the TIF districts, and every time, uh, you know, there have been many times that have resulted in these very inflammatory headlines, which I you know I think is pretty clearly a part of this long-term campaign to regulate the TIF districts differently. There are a lot of people uh, who would like to see them go away, and I see this report as part of that. Effort. And we know that... Uh, and I think it's really important. The- Here's why I think it's unfortunate. Look around the state at what the TIF districts have done. Yeah. Look how well downtown St. Albans is doing right now. Look at what has happened in downtown Barrie. Look at the Burlington Waterfront and, and the Winooski downtown. None of those projects would have happened without the resources, and sometimes even more important than the resources, the focus that the way our TIF districts bring. They bring a lot of stakeholder and municipal focus and planning, and they get big, exciting things done for Vermont. And it's just unfortunate that so many people don't see that and instead want to tear down really the only way in which the state helps municipalities in a material way with their infrastructure and economic development needs. This is a great program. We should be expanding it, not trying to, to destroy it. I know that my last committee chair, Janet Ansel, was not a big fan of TIFFs either. As you probably know, <laughs> as you probably know. It was one uh, of the ways we worked together closely, Kurt, right? It's, that's why I made the... Uh, yeah. Questionable decision to uh, endorse you in your last uh, your, your last <laughs> questionable because uh, you, you have been such a champion on tips and such a partner to to Burlington. I, I definitely uh, upset a lot of people within the party on that one, Kurt. But uh, you know, well, I appreciated what you had done for the city um, uh, on that issue and others. Well, I appreciate the endorsement. It didn't, <laughs> didn't work out in that one, but. Um, uh, Mariah, I want to ask you a question that someone sent to me. It's not Doug Hoffer, just in case you think it's Doug, but it's it's not. But. Um, question was texted me. How come voters were told that there'd be four million dollars in interest in this TIF, TIF, but it's actually ended up being twelve million dollars? It's a fair question. It is something the, the audit points out. Here's what happened when we went to voters. First of all, I want to be clear what we told voters. We told voters we want to do eighteen point four something million dollars of, of TIF investment, um, and we're going to do less than that. We are working within the the the. Uh, maximum total of the uh, of the what the the voters authorized us to do. Voters don't weigh in on exact financing terms because the nature of the processes things things change. And and one thing that changed quite dramatically between the time we went to voters and when we went actually out to to the market is interest rates, as we all know, went up dramatically. And when you uh, when you have the interest rates go up like more than two points. In a short period of time, it does have a big impact on on ultimately the total amount of interest that is paid over 15 years. But it's the, the impact on Burlington voters is the same as before. We, we said to voters, we're going to get this project done, and we're going to get it without any increase in your taxes, and that's exactly what is happening here. This is going to be done within, within – so the TIF district will pay more in interest, but uh, there will there, there will not be any – uh, increase in Burlington taxpayer rates in order to pay that interest. And just to wrap this, to put a bow on this, I mean, when I was still in the legislature, I know there was, we, we did have some issues with Burlington a few years ago with the TIF, right? 
listen, the TIF there, this, <clears throat> the management of the TIF districts, the auditor has a point, does require some complexity. We have had to work hard in my 12 years to get this right. There were mistakes that were made early on in my administration when we were still cleaning up uh, the um, uh, real financial uh, mismanagement issues that we had within the city. And um, the last audit that came out a year ago showed that early in that process, we had made uh, some significant kind of ledger and accounting errors. Um, a lot of them kind of worked out such there wasn't a, a big um, impact on, uh, on, on, on tax. You know, it, it all worked out okay. We were able to manage it. But it was embarrassing to see that we had, had made those issues. We put a lot of effort into improving our financial systems. We have uh, independent uh, third-party uh, vendors or you know consultants that help us get this right, and we are much better at this than than we have been in the past. And that this audit actually says that you wouldn't notice note it in the headlines, but if you look in the fine print of this audit, it compliments Burlington on on substantial improvement in its uh, financial practices. It, it certainly is a complex issue. There's no question about the TIF being complex to start with. But um, Mr. Mayor, as you go around downtown. Uh, it is very heartening to see City Place rising up, and uh, it's for people who didn't think it was ever going to happen. It's happening, and it's going to be it's going to be completed, I guess, toward the end of next year, according to the CX story I see saw a while back. Where do we stand with the connection from the uh, from the roads where we're going to connect the neighborhoods again? Is that still going forward? Oh yeah, it sure is. Wouldn't be possible without the TIF program, right. but the. The uh, absolutely the two new streets are are they're under construction. They we will not <clears throat> the uh, they will be part of some of the last parts of the project that are completed because they are using the new streets as staging areas to to get the new buildings built. Uh, but yes, that first south building should be complete about a year from now, and then the north building, uh, which is. Um, you know, butts up against Cherry Street is, you can see the foundation for that is in as well. And uh, that is, that'll be, that'll be completed later. So that one may last into 2026. Um, but uh, yes, the new, the new streets will be completed. They'll be completed with a combination of TIF dollars, as well as these tens of millions of dollars of federal funds that we were successful in getting that will help us complete up to 10 new blocks around the project on Cherry Street, Bank Street, and the two new streets connecting through. How many housing units? There'll be more than 350 homes that will that will be part of that project. One of the largest yeah. uh, projects in, in the city's history and in the state's history. Um, you know, you know a project that's even larger and gets a lot less attention is Eric Farrell's Cambrian Rise project, which uh, will be, you know, over 950 homes there when that's complete. I think there's two, pro I believe those two projects are the largest two housing projects in the state's history. And, I mean, I, you know, I'm proud they happen in my, my I, mean, time. I mean, that seems yeah. like its own village over there. <clears throat> well, it'll be about a thousand. I mean, I'm not saying in a negative way. I'm saying, yeah. but it seems like its own village off North Avenue <clears throat> or on North Avenue and going back. Yeah. It's, uh, it's when he completes the two buildings that are in construction now, there will be 500 new homes that have been completed since it started. And that's a little more than half of the total. That's great. It is. It really is. Uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, Mayor. A, uh, a paper mill down in Putney, Vermont, just closed, laying off around 127 uh, workers. I have two questions. One, why is it still Scott's fault? And two, uh, hypothetically, how would you have approached the situation uh, a year ago, knowing that it might close, if you were hypothetically a, uh, a governor? 
So, um, I, I appreciate, appreciate. At first, I thought I was uh, somehow I had been uh, responsible for for this. Uh, well, they Putney had paper a failed mail, but... TIF district in Putney. No, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to be. Funny. I don't know a lot about that situation. What um, I, I, you know, do believe is that. Um, the, uh, you know, Vermont has a, gr- a great deal of potential in terms of its job creation and growth. I think if you look at what has happened, what is happening in Chittenden County bet- and, and that Burlington has been a part of, whether it's out at the airport with Beta and the hundreds of very good jobs that are being created there, and, and I expect that there's a great chance that that's going to continue for years to come. If you look at Hula in the South End, um, <clears throat> There really is an opportunity uh, for Vermont to be part of the new economy in a way that, that we just couldn't do in, in past decades. Uh, it's, it's, I think, an exciting part of Vermont's story, and it's, it's one what was happening here in Chittenden County. I, I think there are lessons and, and things that could be expanded across the state, but we'll talk more about that another time. Um, all right. Uh, I, I just want to, I, I do want to ask, uh, and um, I also want to point out that both of these huge projects... Um, start paying uh, property taxes. Yeah, they absolutely do. And they contribute, and, and I, I they do contribute think, to the city. Well, I mean, it, not not just housing, but I mean that's a substantial amount of economic activity that is brought to Burlington between just those two how just those two projects. It's, it's a huge amount of activity. Yeah. You know, in terms of the the construction there. Um, if you look, at, yeah, the, the 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 old mall was already. Uh, one of the largest property taxpayers in the city was paying about $800,000 a year at the time that it closed. When this new project is done, it will be paying something like $3 million a year yeah. in property taxes. It would be a, a dramatic uh, expansion. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it, I think it is worth thinking about why do these projects happen or not happen. To, with both of these projects, the TIF, well, certainly the downtown, the TIF played a big role. Um, what also played a big role is the city changing its its regulatory uh, framework for the way downtown projects happen, taking away the ability of uh, single people to uh, kind of veto a project by suing the, over the permits and, and and stopping a project for years in its tracks. We made it much more clear what the city wants and what will get approved and what won't get approved. Um, and we made it clear we wanted housing. There's a very good analogy to what's the debate that's happening in the state right now uh, the state has that has to do that same work with Act 250, with some of its other regulatory policies. If we want to see the kind of you know increase in housing production that we've seen in Burlington, if we want to see that go statewide, there's significant statewide reforms that need to happen. It does feel like there's a chance for that to happen now, but uh, you know it's a key session, and there's a lot of work to do with that still. Moreau, before we go to break, which we are going through in just a moment, I just want to on the first building that's going up in City Place. Um, when you mentioned the number of housing units, is that all in that first building? No, there's housing. There's housing. It, there's really the way that there's really two buildings. There's a north building right. and south building. There's there's there. It's the morning drive on FM ninety six three and AM six twenty News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Thursday morning, and we are continuing our discussion now with the mayor of Burlington. Uh, he is finishing up 12 years as mayor of Burlington, and uh, he's got three, two more appearances on the Morning Drive. 
before he calls it a day as mayor. And along the way, we may find out what else he might be doing. But, uh, Mr. Mayor, and of course, the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline's open. If you have a question for Mayor Weinberger, give us a call, 888 Mr. Mayor, there was a hot debate at the city council meeting on Monday, and it was to do with um, the oversight question on policing. And we know that last year, the question, question number seven, which would have created a disciplinary committee of citizens taking some power away from the police chief, et cetera, was resoundingly defeated at the polls. Uh, now there's a new one, which I know there had been talk of, which is to empower the police commission more. Uh, the vote was split. It was seven to five, not not defeating it, as I know as the news has, has sort of the headline has been, but to de- delay it until uh, another ballot. Not It won't be on the ballot in March. What do you, what do you think of that? Well, first of all, the... Uh the proposal that was on last year's ballot, the 2023 town meeting day, um, that was voted down by the voters. I hope, you know, you remember, Kurt, I, I was very much against that. I had right. uh, vetoed an earlier version of it in at the end of 2020 and um, tried to uh, help organize the campaign that, that defeated that because I thought it was very problematic. It was it went way, way too far. I think we, it would have deeply uh, worsened our problems recruiting officers, keeping officers, uh, no reasonable person would have wanted to work under the system that, that, um, that created. So, uh, you know, I was very relieved when that went down. So would it created further recruitment and retention issues for the police? Yeah, there's no doubt that, 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 that version of it, it, it was, it was, you know, it was set up in a way to be punitive, uh, towards officers. It was, it was not, um, it was not, it was unlike any other system that actually exists in the country. And it, it was very problematic. Stepping back from that community involvement in policing is important. And there's broad agreement on, on that, you know, through from, and there has been for a long time, what, what community police community involvement can do is um, it, it, it can improve the quality of policing and it builds trust between communities and their police departments. And trust is critical. If, if, Communities don't uh, don't trust their their police departments. Uh, it really compromises their ability to uh, to stop crime and, and do their job. So it's it is an important conversation. Uh, we have done a lot of work in my time to improve our our our, our police commission system, um, and I'm proud of that work. I think it's a very different system today than it was in 2015. The what the proposal that is now before the council is very different than the one that was defeated last last March. It in many ways, you know, you kind of summarize it as like giving more authority to the police commission. And in some ways it does that. But in other ways, it actually puts new safeguards in place for police officers. It's more focused on procedural justice than our current system, which isn't really memorialized in charter or in ordinance. It, for example, if the one before the council now passes police commission will no longer be able to uh, make a decision on their own to bring uh, the Vermont community justice council in to, to, uh, to look into a disciplinary matter over the, the police chief. That is, you know, I thought I saw that as a real erosion of the mayor and the city council's uh, authority. It will, it would have other requirements for the people who are weighing in. There would be a professional requirements. So there, in some ways uh, I think what they are working on now is, is, is an important codification of the changes we've already made and put some new safeguards in place. And I do think it is something that, you know, I would have, cause they find this time they did listen to me. They made 
basically all the changes that I requested late in the process. And I think this is now close to something that uh, would be helpful, that it is uh, responsible to support. And I do think this will come back and ultimately uh, be put in front of the voters, but they want to take a little more time with it. I think that's fine. But you do want to make sure you get this right. Obviously, after what happened, not that you did this, but the council, what they did in 2020, got it dead wrong, in my opinion. So you want to make sure you get this one right, I assume. And is it this this idea went before the police commission? Uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong about this. And I believe that, that there were at least some commissioners that had some concerns and issues with it and had concerns about implementation. And it seems like, do you go forward, just rush something onto the ballot? If you have if you have concerns from the police commissioners who this is meant to, uh, this is going to land with? Yeah, that's exactly what happened, Kurt. The the, the police commission um, tried to engage this right after Christmas. And there have, you know, it, this is, a, in a sense, a process that was going along for a while, but there were a lot of changes that were made right towards the end of that, as often happens, you know, towards the end, right. people got focused and started to get really serious on this. And they asked for more time with it. And given that they're the body that is, um, you know, they're the people closest to this in some ways and are, their work is going to be impacted by this. Uh, you know, uh, the Democrats on the council wanted to give them some more time to to weigh in, and uh, I, I I'm, I'm fine with that. I think there's uh, there's value in doing that. Now, progressive councilors were not happy. Uh, Joe McGee said basically said this sucks, and uh, he <laughs> did put it crudely, it. but he did say that that was a report. And uh, Milo Grant also said that this was shed a quote saying something like this was we're breaking our word to the citizens of Burlington. Um, do they have valid points? It, it was one of the funnier and stranger things I've ever seen happen at the city council, Kurt, you know, in these 12 long years, like they just a month ago, this proposal came to the council, uh, from this process. And, um, th- those, the two counselors you named and a third progressive all, um, uh, strenuously objected to it and voted against it. Was they that voted, Soraya they Hightower? Voted, third one was that's Soraya. right. That's right. They said uh, they said it had been watered down too much. It wasn't something they supported. They support. They voted against even taking the step the council did, which is warning it for public hearings and getting more input. So for them, I, I've never seen anything like it. Too. Among, I, I think they actually forgot what they had voted on. They seemed surprised when. Democratic counselors called them on it. Um, they either forgot the vote they take took a, a month ago, or they didn't real they didn't understand what they were voting on, and uh, they took a you know 180 degree opposite um, uh, uh, position right now, which is which is um, funny at some level, and I I'm, you know really speaks to their preparation, but it also it's it's it. it, it it's not funny because these are serious issues and their input mattered. What we took from that uh, engagement was that the progressive party was going to be opposed to this at the ballot. And that impacted uh, at some level, the way um, that everyone proceeded with this thinking that um, that, you know, significant part of the party was going to be opposed to this. That I think that played a role in why people felt like we should got to take more time with this and make sure this is broadly supported by the rest of the electorate. And so it's, it's really uh, pretty shocking. I've never seen anything like it. You know, we're used to Kurt, you, 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 you and I served during a period where people were 
prepared and that, you know, really put the administration through its paces. Uh, and uh, this is just another sign of just what a different time we're in in terms of how counselors approach this work. All right. Well, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, Moreau. I'm going to lighten the mood. I'm going to change the subject completely. Okay. Are you going to remain a, a Burlington Cardinal? That's the question everybody has. <laughs> oh, the baseball team. Would you play with Bill Lee, right? <laughs> you know, um, it is absolutely. I, I love. I, I've been a Burlington Cardinal since uh, for something. What since uh, since like 2003 or something? And uh, I, you know, it's pretty. Pretty wild that as uh, old men we get we still get a chance to to, to hit hit the baseball throw it around. I love playing. I'm gonna. It's my intent to keep playing. I've been saying for a long time I'm gonna play until Bill Lee retires. You know, but now it's it's unclear when if that's ever gonna happen. He's 76 and he's still playing and he's, he's still one of the the best pitchers in the league. So yeah, it's my my intention to play another season. I saw a couple of games. You were the catcher, weren't you? I am still the catcher and being yeah being Bill Lee's catcher when he's. Still throwing five different pitches, hitting his spots. It's it's been pretty fun. He's that's a character, cool. that's for sure. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Uh, yes. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Mayor, what I suspect is that those uh, progressives, somewhere between Christmas and yesterday, or a few days ago, whenever it was, found a loophole in their proposal, the one they initially proposed. Uh, sorry, opposed so vigorously, as you pointed out. And they found something in there that would permit them to somehow weaken, sap, or eviscerate the police department in the city of Burlington, which I, I believe, you know, if Gene Bergman is to something like that, that's what I'm thinking. So the fact that they were defeated is wonderful. Anything the progs are for, make sure it gets defeated. That's the rule of thumb. Uh, <laughs> what do you think, Mr. Mayor, though, what, what the caller said? Do you think they found something in there that uh, they didn't realize was there that they can... Listen, I don't think I can add anything to it. I really don't understand what happened. Like I said, I've never seen anything like it. All right. One last one on it, and then we'll move to some other stuff. But what what was it that the progressives voted against it in December? They voted against moving forward with the public hearings, and now we're, we're you know, screaming bloody murder that it wasn't going forward, which is very curious. Just keeps getting curiouser and curiouser, as they say. But... They complained in December that it was too watered down. Do you know what it was that they wanted in it that didn't didn't get in it that watered it down? Um. So, you know, they there were a number of changes that were made late. There. I think they were made directly in response to a memo that I sent to the committee. Uh, I I raised concerns with the committee on everything from expanding the size of the police commission still further. Um, I uh, said that if this body or an appeals body was going to have actual disciplinary powers, we needed to make sure that there were professional requirements uh, for the people who were serving on that body. Um, I uh, urged them, you know, I, a, a number of things that I thought made it work better. Um, and would make it something that would actually strengthen, be good for our police department, that would, strength, you know, again, put new guardrails in place that would, uh, I, I, they didn't initially have this point about the, that the, the commission wasn't the, wasn't the commission's jobs to try to discipline the police chief the way the past commission did. All those things got put in at the end. They were put in in request to what I asked for. I think that's what they were objecting to. Okay. 
Um, let's talk about the MOU, Memorandum of Understanding, with the University of Vermont on housing. Uh, we know that um, uh, UVM officials, the president, came before the council. and was Wasn't just, the president. Not the president. Who, who came? It was, um, <laughs> it was Richard Kate, who Richard was Kate. Uh, their top financial I guy should have stuck in, with in, the pre- in the president's office. Um, so they came before the, the council recently, and the council had a lot of questions. And now, uh, from what I understand... The majority of the council, at least at this point, opposes this memorandum of understanding. Uh, they had a lot of questions. Maybe I've got it wrong, but a lot of people on the inside have told me the votes, if it was held today, the votes would not be there. What do you, how do you change councilors' minds? Because you support this. Obviously, you, you, you were involved in this. And if it gets defeated, what does that mean? I mean, it's, the university's not going to go give more if this gets defeated, are they? If this gets defeated, the university will uh, not have a path forward to build approximately 1,500 new student beds in Burlington that they have indicated they'd like to build. Um, I think that would be a real shame. You you have university right now. You have a a president who, um, in contrast to the UVM policy of just a few years ago, is trying to build a lot more beds and he's at, they're actually in construction or near construction on two major projects in South Burlington and they want to do more in Burlington. And, uh, there, so my interest in this MOU has been to find a way that they could move forward with that. Unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of distrust to the university and that was, uh, exacerbated by the fact that they refused to have any agreement at all for the better part of a year. They they basically did not want to recognize that that the city had a legitimate sort of voice uh, in, in these decisions. Um, I told them that wasn't going to work. They wasted a year um, before shifting course and agreeing that we would have an MOU. Um, I think this MOU <clears throat> is, uh, it's not clear to me that there, that there are, is a majority against it. I think it's, I, I think it's probably accurate what you're saying, Kurt, that if it was being voted on today exactly the way it is, uh, it might not pass. But I, I think it is close to something that a majority can pass if there are uh, some final details, some final strengthening that can be made in the weeks ahead. Uh, and and I, I do think UVM needs to do that. In particular, they need to do that after uh, the perform, you know, the, when they came in that meeting you're talking about, when they came and talked to the council, um, it, you know, there were statements that were made that, uh, that, that this housing was going to have, that there was not going to be forced triples, that there was going to be a lot of this housing was going to be for upperclassmen. Um, but there, up until this point, had not been a willingness to actually put those commitments into the agreement. And I think that exchange sort of showed the difficulty of the position. You can't claim these things are going to happen and then not be willing to write it down. And I hope UVM sees that. We can make some final improvements to this. And then uh, this is something that can be voted on because it will hurt the community if this does not pass. It will just lead, it will, it will mean. Um, that the status quo, which is that there aren't enough student beds and that has negative community impacts, that that continues. Do some counselors want there to be a cap on the number of students that the university is allowed to have? Because that would not work, would it? Uh, Clearly, there are some counselors that want very um, uh, strong, yeah, things like a cap or other very hard commitments that... um, 
EVM is is unwilling to make and indicates that they they won't make. Um, they you know they they have a organization to run and they are um, concerned about uh, giving up too much control over their ability to to, to manage their campus. Um, and so I, I do think this is one of those situations where if we push push too hard, uh, we're not going to get anything. And I, I hope there is a compromise that can uh, ensure that. Um, as we move forward, this it is any the UVM's impact is only lessening. That the, the that they are doing more to uh, address the community housing needs, but that we don't try to write this so tight that it doesn't happen. So you think you can get a positive vote with some uh, some changes at the end here? I think we're close. Uh, it is not, you know, it's. I I I think we're close. I think there's a good chance of it happening, but it, it's definitely it's it's not one of those things where it's not in the bag yet. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what I heard. Um, Mr. Mayor, one of the, th- the things in regard to, we know public safety and policing has been front and center. It has been the issue in the mayor's race. It's been the issue in council races. But I always contend that the number two issue behind that is affordability in, in Burlington. And we know that the, um, the, school is, the school issue with the new school and everything else, looks, it looks like we're talking about a nearly a 14% increase. Residents, I know, are concerned about that. And I know the CX story last night said, that also you're considering a tax increase on the municipal side. Um, how much can Burlington middle class, the average Burlington resident, take right now? It's 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 expensive. We love this city, but it's expensive. It seems to be getting more expensive. Should the city look at taking? Should they? Should we take a look at every single department and say, "Hey, every department had we need to, you need to come in with some savings." So, Kurt, yeah, I, I'm very concerned about this. I mean, you look at the, the people should remember on the school tax, a, a lot of that increase is being driven by a decision that was already made. Uh, the, a lot of it is being driven by the uh, the increase um, uh, in in debt service payments that are going to be need to be made for the, you know, up to one hundred thirty five million dollars of uh, or sorry, up to one hundred sixty five million dollars of new bonding and this is the tax year where that most of that new cost is is hitting and you know it's not it is consistent with what was projected in terms of you know, voters were told there would be very large tax increases associated with that you know in the you know average home approaching you know over $800 a month but it's still it is eye opening when it actually happens and when you actually see it so i do hope that voters are able to hold in mind um, the commitments we've already made, or we're going to be you know, in a really tough spot there. The, you know, the city budget, we're going to have as low a tax impact. I, I do think we're going to have to do something. The, the city budget doesn't work, as you've heard me say many more, when you're in an inflationary period. Uh, when you have inflation, when costs go up, our revenues don't go up with that. Just It's the nature of the way the property tax system works. So we haven't had an increase approved by the voters in five years if you go five years, and there's been five years with a great deal of inflation, um, we are going to need to do something. I'm going to admit, yes, we are going to be cutting. There are going to be cuts across across the city. We have a report where we have a consultant. Um, we have a consultant engaged that is reviewing uh, really every is 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 reviewing for efficiencies and cuts across the city. I think it is going to be again a very difficult budget year, and I think it'd be irresponsible to not give voters the opportunity to weigh in in some way. So I think there will be, we're going to make it as small as we can. 
We are basically out of time, Mr. Mayor. A quick answer. Uh, obviously, you're endorsing Joan Shannon. Will you be active in the mayoral campaign? I fully support Joan. Uh, she's been on the council, you know, throughout throughout my time, and a lot more than that. She's been a councilor for over over twenty years. Uh, she um, had a she, she never lost her way with uh, public safety. She's been. Uh, right and and strong on public safety th- throughout her time, even when that was unpopular and hard. And uh, yeah, anything she wants me to do, I will. I'll be supporting her. All right, Mr. Mayor, thanks for being on the morning drive. We'll see you next month. We'll see you next month. It's great, great, great to be with you. Thanks for coming in. Uh, tomorrow's fluff and stuff Friday, folks. That's right. It goes fast, and uh, we've got uh, a great show lined up for you right here on News Talk WVMT Burlington.